morning. Welcome to week number one of a brand new series called Almost Honest Christians. Uh, no one expected in late 2021 for this song to take over the charts. This quirky bilingual English-Spanish mashup, no one expected that it would top the U.S. charts and the U.K. charts and the global top 200 charts, but it did. No one thought it would go triple platinum and sell three million copies, but it did. Do you know the song? No, it was not Despacito. Um, it's an interesting song, too. That's a little bit older. Um, the song was from the animated movie Encanto, and it was entitled, We Don't Talk About about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. Um, just in case you've never seen the movie, it's about a certain member of a certain family that the family doesn't talk about. No, no, no. Uh, not Bruno. They can talk about some things. They probably talk about most things, but there's that one thing that the families agreed we don't talk about. That's kind of an interesting concept when I think about it. Um, most churches and most church people that I know have something in common with that song. Most Christians will talk about lots of things, most things, in fact, many things, but maybe not all of the things. I'm not sure what kind of family you grew up in or if you've been part of a church community, but for a lot of, of Christians, and I, I was here for a huge part of my life, you know, we talk about 95% of life, but there was, there was one part that was either so embarrassing or so shameful or, or so messy that we just... Didn't want to bring it up. Uh, grab a pen if you're taking notes. Here's the thing that I think is true for a lot of people in the world of the church. There is a sin that you're not confessing. Uh, you're not a total liar. You're fairly honest. You're an almost honest Christian. If there is a sin, a struggle that you're not confessing, is, it, is that true for you? Is there something you've been through way back or something you're going through right now uh, what some people call a pet sin, you know, the one you just can't seem to change about your behavior. And, and you go back to it, and you're trying to fix it, and you pray about it, and, and God knows all about it, you know all about it. But maybe there's not anyone else that knows about it. You really need help, you need encouragement, you need advice, you need someone to be there to put their arm around your shoulder, but there's just something about it that you don't want to bring it out into the open. You don't talk about that thing. For example, uh, when it comes to your personal life, is, is there—I mean—is there anyone that knows right now your relationship with alcohol? If you're that person who is almost always the first one to suggest that we go out for drinks, and you're always the last one to stop drinking, um, if you never really say this out loud, but you're always hoping that someone else drives, so you don't have to worry about how much you drink, or you say you had a couple of beers, but maybe you know they were. 9% double IPAs in a 16-ounce can. That's about two by my math. Uh, you say you had a glass of wine, but you poured it in, in the big glass, and it was not a standard pour. I mean, does anyone know, like, the, the details of your relationship with alcohol? Or does anyone know that you're petrified about death? That you know you shouldn't be, that Jesus didn't just die for your sins, but he rose from the grave to conquer death, that Heaven is your home, but man, you're just terrified to get sick, that the cancer would come back. The Bible says you, you don't need to be afraid of any of that, but you are. Does anyone know how often you forget all about the Jesus stuff and focus on the physical stuff that keeps you up at night? Or if you struggle, like 
so many people in our church do with uh, sexual sins. Does anyone, does anyone know about that? Like, if you have a tendency of looking in the mirrors at your gym so you can take a long look, or you've got your sunglasses at the beach so you can stare without seeming like a creep, the history of your smartphone needed to be erased or you're suddenly thinking about erasing it. If waiting until marriage to enjoy God's gift of sex is not exactly your strength, or if you are married but seeing sex as a great gift to be explored and enjoyed and discussed between husband and wife, that's really difficult for you. If you're struggling with same-sex attraction, if, if you've had a, a struggle with pornography or prostitution, does anyone know about that? I mean, you feel so weak in the face of temptation. You need so much help. Is anyone helping you with that? Or does anyone know what happens in your head when you scroll on your phone? You know, it's not just TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. It, it's like this just unspoken depression, this weight of disappointment and despair when you just compare like your real life to everyone else's posted life and you suddenly hate the size of your waist or the shape of your face or the dated look of the home that you live in. Everyone else seems to have a better marriage and more obedient kids and better vacations. And it, like the, uh, the OCD, the obsessive comparison disorder, just messes with the joy that God wants to give you as his forgiven and loved child. If that's you, is anyone praying about that? Checking in on that. Or does anyone know that for some of you who are so successful, so accomplished in life, that behind all that passion and drive is a deep, deep insecurity? Like you just, you need to be noticed. You need to be applauded. You can't live an average life and it's pushed you to be good at school or good at sports or good at work because you you just can't go to bed at night feeling less than or below average. Does anyone know about that? Or if your relationship isn't great, if you're not happy right now, if if the marriage just isn't what it was five years ago, and then fall off a cliff, it just like slowly, one degree at a time, ended up in a place that you're not excited about the future. The thought of living together until death does not make your heart thump with joy. Is anyone helping you guys as a couple work through those issues? Figure out your sins, teach you how to love and respect each other as the Bible wants you to. Does anyone know that when someone criticizes you, that you go into fight or flight mode, that you defend yourself tooth and nail, or you just roll over and play dead? We all got struggles and we all got sins. You're a sinner and I'm a sinner. My question for you today is, does anyone really know what kind of sinner you are? Or is that stuff, at least a small percentage of that stuff, just between you and Jesus? If your answer to that question is, well, no, you wouldn't have to explain to me why. I mean, some stuff, especially addiction stuff or or sexual stuff or relationship stuff, is just embarrassing and just a terrifying thought to try to say that out loud. You feel ashamed about it, and so you pray about it you pray about it. You don't want to tell anyone about it. But today, I just got to remind you and be honest with you that unconfessed sin is a lot like cancer. Like all of us wish it wasn't there. 
And most of us don't make a confession because just like going through chemo, it is it's not easy. It's a painful process. And yet, and yet I got to remind you that if you don't address that, that thing, as they say in AA, you are as sick as your secrets. They don't get better and it doesn't go away. And thinking that God's going to zap you with some supernatural self-control if you pray for the thousandth time about that one thing, that, that will not change it. Do, do you believe that? Like, it will get worse. This little problem will get bigger. The shame will not disappear by tomorrow morning. Today, I have to remind you that honesty in God's eyes is the best policy because unconfessed sin grows. It spreads and it hurts people. And that's why today, uh, I'm going to grab a Bible and make a, a bold case for you to stop being an almost honest Christian and to step into the light of complete honesty. Now, don't panic. We're not going to pass a microphone around church before I say amen. God doesn't want you to tell everyone about what you're struggling with, but God absolutely wants you to tell someone. So today, I want to give you a biblical crash course on mutual confession. Not to God. That's important. I'm talking about to each other. If you're a logical, organized type, here's where I'm going. First of all, I want to teach you what confession is. Second, I want to encourage you to whom you should probably confess. And finally, I'm going to make a push why you should do it. What is confession? To whom should you confess? Why confess? That's what we're going to cover so we can stop being almost honest Christians. All right. Are you excited that you're here today? You all look very disappointed in this (laughs) message. You're going to like it by the end. I can almost guarantee. All right. Part one. What is confession? A few of you know that the New Testament originally was written in the Greek language, and the word that we translate confess in English is this Greek word, ex homo legeo. Ex homo legeo. Can you say that with me? Ex homo legeo. One more time. Ex homo legeo. Legeo is just the Greek word for to say or to speak. Homo means the same like a homosexual is attracted to the same sex or a homonym has the same sound or if something's homogenous, it's of the same kind. So homologeo is to say the same thing and the ex means to say it out. Like an exit gets you out of the building. So all put together, ex homologeo is when you say the same thing that happened out loud. So a confession is. When you, a synonym would be admit it or acknowledge it. Uh, It's the verb that we find in the story of John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3. So what is confession? To say the same thing out loud. Here's an example. It says, People went out to John the Baptist from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. There's the word ex homologeoing, their sins. They were baptized by John in the Jordan River. So picture it, 2,000 years ago, John the Baptist is preaching. All kinds of people are flooding to him. You have tax collectors and prostitutes and religious leaders and Roman soldiers. And before they're being baptized, what do they do? They ex homologeo. Can you imagine what that must have sounded like? They fold their hands and bow their head. They exed it. The same thing that they did. The tax collectors. I mean, tax collectors didn't just drive their donkeys a little too fast on the highways of Jerusalem. They hustled people, robbed people, cheated people, extorted people. They hurt real people. And they said those very damaging things out loud. They ex homologaoed prostitutes. I don't know if they went into detail, but their profession was 
shameful and dirty, and yet they didn't keep it in. They exed it. They ex homologeo. They confessed their sins and received this gift of baptism by John in the Jordan River. And this, in a number of passages, is what God wants us to do too. We are called to ex homologeo to confess. Picture it like this Lego. Imagine this big, one, two, three, four by two, oversized, like kids' Lego is your sin. It's a big one. It's an embarrassing one. If this is what you did, it's about this big, what does God want you to say out loud? The same thing. Most of us, what we do in the church is we, we do this. We did this, but we say this. It was this big and bad, but we tell a version of it that's a little less big and bad. We say things like, uh, yeah, I had, I had a little too much to drink. <laughs> and angels are looking at each other like, what? <laughs> Dude, we saw you take like 18 a leave the morning after. You were so, you had a little too much to drink. That is not what happened. Oh, yeah, my wife and I got in a, into a little argument, a little spat. Oh, no, no. <laughs> God is saying, angels, replay the footage. Beep, beep, beep. You always, you never, <laughs> like blow up, fight. Like, wasn't wasn't a little thing. We, we try to minimize things to hold on to our reputation so no one thinks worse about us. But that's not what confession is. This is being almost honest. God says, if you did this, say this. If it was this bad, don't imply that it was this bad. Someone needs to know about this if we're going to fix this. If we're going to change this. If you're going to find grace for this, confess. Which maybe makes you think about part two already. Uh, to whom? Yeah, I might say this version to a whole lot of people at church or in my family, but the, the whole thing, the real thing, to whom should I do that? Uh, I love how honest the Bible is. Uh, the Bible, especially in the book of Proverbs, says that some people are not to be trusted with this. Um, gossips, people who have a reputation of talking about others behind their back, they are not to be entrusted with your biggest secrets. They will, they will hurt you. So God isn't asking you to tell everyone. There's no microphone we're going to pass around at church. But the Bible actually gives us direction on two specific groups of people that we should confess to. I'd love for you to write this down. The Bible says that we should confess to, first of all, pastors. And second of all, mature Christians. Say the whole thing, the big thing, the real thing to pastors and to the mature Christians in your life. Let me prove that to you. Uh, in the New Testament book of James, this seems to be Jesus' half-brother, James, who's writing. He's talking about, you know, all the things that you and I go through in life. Uh, sometimes we're happy, sometimes we're sick, sometimes we're struggling. And he says, actually, if you're sick and struggling and you're feeling guilty because of sin, what you should do is call the pastors of your church. Pastors will find a time to get together with you. And that's when this classic verse shows up. James 5, verse 16 says this. Therefore, Confess, ex homo confess your sins to each other. You see that? Not just to Jesus. Say the same thing out loud to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Don't lie to your pastor. Don't be almost honest to impress him or them. That's not the point. If you're struggling, if you're stuck, 
The reason God brought a pastor into your life was that so you could tell them, you could pray together. Jesus has made us righteous people. I mean, if you're a person who actually believes that prayer works, like I do, that it's powerful and effective, why would you not want someone praying for the biggest struggle you're going through in your life? So talk to pastors. Now, maybe for some of you who've never, ever, ever done that before, there's some people, to be honest, they step into my office for the first time and they say, I feel like I'm in the principal's office. <laughs> Which is an interesting thing to say, is it not? <laughs> uh, they like, no, I, I, I don't know, I, I just can't. You know, maybe my best friend, but the pastor, that seems weird and judgment. If your reaction to that is less than excited, um, either, either the pastors at our church are total bozos who should probably quit tomorrow, I'm not going to talk about that today. Or, or, or maybe you haven't learned what the point of a pastor is. Do you know, I'm filling out my tax form right now. Do you know what the, gover- the U.S. government's official title for my job is? Super interesting. Minister of the Gospel. That's my legal title. I'm a minister. I'm a servant, not of the law. Like my specialty is telling you how to live and what to do. There's part of that. But our primary job as pastors is to be ministers of the gospel, the good news of forgiveness through Jesus. We are trained. Pastors at our church have dozens, if not hundreds of Bible passages about forgiveness and salvation and Jesus memorized. So you can, you can put the quarter of your confession into this vending machine and we spit out Jesus and his forgiveness. You need to know like that, that is the primary reason God gave you a pastor or pastors at your church not just to public speak on Sunday mornings, but to give you forgiveness when you need it the most. That's the point of it. And I got to tell a lot of you, like, you think your story is going to be so embarrassing. Like, oh, he's gonna, it's going to get so weird. <laughs> and I think, what, what are you going to tell me that I haven't heard before? Pornography. What? Never heard of it. Like, come on. Like, every third person I meet is struggling with that. Like, adultery. Ministered to people. Alcoholics. Drug addicts. You're, you're in prison. It was a felony. It was a misdemeanor. You're a registered sex offender. Heard it. Heard it. Heard it. Jealousy. Insecurity. Pride. Depression. Tried to take your own life. Cutting yourself. Popping pills. Heard it a million times. I ministered to a woman who was literally shooting up heroin while she was nine months pregnant. Heard it. I ministered to someone who got caught into like a cult in her family that literally crucified her. Heard it. What are you going to tell me that's going to make me blush? Let me save you some thinking time. You can't. So if the devil is holding you back, thinking, oh, they're just going to judge me. If you come into the pastor's office, if you reach out feeling burdened by your sin, if you're proud of your sin, This is going to be a different conversation. But if you come in struggling, guilty, and ashamed, I can already tell you how the script is going to go. You talk about your sin. I talk about your Savior. You talk about what makes you feel guilty. We need to talk about the Savior who takes guilt away. You tell us that you're so ashamed because of this, this, and this. And we tell you that Jesus took that shame on his shoulders when he died for you on the cross. Pastors are the perfect. We are not trained to tell you who to date or where to work or what house to buy. We are specialists in guilt and shame because we know exactly what to do with that. Ex homo to whom? To your pastor. And, not just us, but also to mature 
Christians. After the first service here at church, someone said, Pastor, you're going to have a busy week. <laughs> yeah, that's true, huh? If all of you actually obeyed the teaching of today, I'd have to schedule some of you out for like nine months from now. But the truth is, 99% of you here today don't need someone who's studied biblical Greek and Hebrew. You don't need someone who's good at public speaking or has studied church history. You probably just need someone who loves you and knows the basics about Jesus. In fact, I would say that I'm probably much better up here than most of you. And most of you are much better at, at this than I am. Some of you just have incredibly empathetic compassionate hearts. You're great at listening. You, you are the perfect, you don't have to be a pastor, professional counselor, just someone who knows Jesus Christ. Now, I bet people think this all the time. Like, they just assume the worst about their brother who's a Christian or their life group who's a Christian. Like, they couldn't handle it. I gotta tell you, my experience has been just the opposite. If someone is a known gossip, stay away from them. But otherwise, the Christians that I have met at this church they're so amazing when they hear candid confessions. They respond with forgiveness and patience and love and Jesus. You don't have to wait months to get into the pastor's calendar. Just tell someone. The pastors of our church had a meeting last week and I asked them the question, can you think in all of your years here at this church where someone has really regretted telling their small group, their life group, about their biggest struggles? And Pastor Tim was there, who's been here 15, 20 years. I was there, I've been here eight years. I had like 50 years of experience at this church in the room. And none of us could think of a time when someone opened up about their life and was punished for it. So you're in the right spot. In fact, I would tell you by the grace of God and his special blessing on this place, when our church was founded, it was founded with a passionate desire not just to do this on Sunday mornings, but to ex homologeo to each other. The founding values of this congregation were to be real and relevant. You don't have to fake it. We can talk about that thing and we can talk about it with each other, not just silently in our own prayers. And if you're new here, you need to know like, this is in our DNA. This is what we do and it makes us so much better in so many ways. I'm curious, how many of you were regular attenders of the core before the pandemic? Can I see your hands nice and high? All right, look around for a second. Hands nice and high, keep them up. All right, hands down. How many of you have come to the core since the pandemic? Hands nice and high. All right, if you're new, you have walked into a gift and we need you to keep it that way. You notice, like I did, the vast majority of the hands that are here are not long-time people who grew up in that culture. It's new. And so when you flood into our community and our fellowship and our groups, we, we really need you to ex homologeo. We, we need you not to play it safe and fake it and try to impress people. That does not make anyone stronger. Christianity is not a competition. It is a community. And nothing creates community like candid confession. So next time you get coffee with a friend, or the group that you go to this week is going to get fun. <laughs> and you go, sweat. <laughs> you're going to wear extra old spice. And then you're not going to do this. You're going to do this. And, and I owe you five bucks if you regret it. 
Instead, what's going to happen is you are going to Jesus judo chop shame in the throat. And it's going to crumble. And people are going to love you. And they're going to help you. And they're going to pray for you. Confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. But maybe I'm getting on to part three already. Why do this? Now, in, in total candid confession, I just wrote a 50,000-word book, but half of it is about confession. So if you ask me why confess, I could talk about that for a bit. <laughs> I could tell you about my own struggle with sexual sins and how that never really changed until I confessed to another human being. I could, I could talk to you about the community that I've seen again and again and again here at our church. I could talk to you about Bible passages like Proverbs 28. I could share so many things, the power of prayer. We ain't got time for all that, so I just want to cut to the chase. Why would you confess? Let me keep it simple. Because if you do, if you are a confessor, a person who makes an honest confession, here's what you get. Confessors get Christ. If you confess here in the church of Jesus Christ, what you will get is Christ. Will you get encouragement? Yes. Compassion? Yes. People sharing their own stories? Yes. But more than all of that, what you get is Jesus Christ. I mean, imagine confessing your struggles to a friend who isn't a follower of Jesus. What will they say to you? Oh, sorry, man. Hey, I've been through that too. You can do it. <laughs> oh, what a, what a gift to be a Christian and be able to look someone in the eye and say, Jesus died for that one too. To tell them that they haven't lost out on heaven, even though it was that bad, because Jesus died for that one too. What a blessing it is to take someone by the hand whose head is hanging and walk them right in front of the cross and show that there's no fine print on the bottom. He died for that one too. We get to give people the good news of the gospel. You don't have to be a pastor to preach it. That Jesus forgives and Jesus saves and Jesus cleanses and Jesus loves. I love this passage from 1 John chapter 1. One of Jesus' closest friends once wrote, If we confess our sins, ex homo God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. All of it. Did you do something wrong, unrighteous? Yep. How much of it does God purify us from? All of it. And you and I get to share that with each other. The world will not offer us salvation for free, but Jesus does. This might be a crazy coincidence, but I grabbed this block out of my office and uh, I didn't realize that I had written a word on the back of it for another sermon. This big old embarrassing sin. You know what word I saw on the back of this block? It's been staring at me all sermon. Jesus. Jesus can handle this. Jesus did handle this. And that's what you and I get to share to each other. So, confession, what is it? Ex homo To say the same thing you did out loud. Well, to whom? To pastors. To Christians that God has put into your life. Why would you do it? So a whole bunch of reasons. But here's the best one, because you get Jesus. And Jesus is the best way to sleep well at night. And he's the best way to change tomorrow morning. Yeah, not long ago, uh, Time of Grace, our media ministry partner, published this book. 
Um, I wrote the contents of the book, but I wasn't one of the people in charge of picking a title for the book or the cover of the book. I, I love the inside. It was based on a sermon series we did a while back about God's love for all kinds of people. Stressed people, angry people, broken people, outcast people. Here's a tab for greedy people, guilty people, angry people, all kinds of people. But uh, just recently, I, I found out what title they picked for the book, and I, I think I love it more than any other title I've ever seen. Six big words in bold print, question mark at the end. Let me show you a picture of what our team called this book. You know God loves you, right? Funny side story. The first copies of this book went to our graphic designer so she could take professional pictures to put on the website. But before she could get to them, someone stole the box off her front porch. She saw it happen right there in the little video camera on the doorbell, which means... <laughs> which means when this uh, thief got back to the den of thieves, his apartment, and he opened it up, what was staring right at him? You know God loves you, right? <laughs> uh, I hope he found the tab that says greedy. <laughs> There's something there for him to read. Oh, man. But here's why I love this. Uh, in my line of work, people say some pretty honest things. And, you know, they find the courage to reach out and they can't make eye contact. But they, they say it. They finally say it. And one of my favorite things to say back before I say I'll pray for them or I've been through that too, my favorite thing to say is just to stare them down as best I can and say, you know God loves you, right? And they shake their head, so I repeat it. You know God loves you, right? Until that nod turns into this. I'll just keep saying it. <laughs> When you're in the church of Jesus Christ and follow him, there's nothing in all of creation, past, present, or future, that can separate you from his love. So, brothers and sisters, no more almost honest. Let's be totally honest with each other because in the end, this Jesus, this God, gets the last word. You know he loves you, right? Let's pray. Oh, God, I'm so grateful for... Uh, some of the people sitting here in this church right now who, who know everything about me and they didn't take off and they didn't run away. Uh, instead, they did what your people are called to do. They, they heard me, they loved me, and they gave me Jesus. I'm so grateful, Father, that when I'm tempted and struggling, I don't have to keep that a secret, that there's multiple people, double-digit people that I could reach out to who would love me and help me in my moment of need. I, God, thank you for giving me that gift years ago and I want everyone to be able to enjoy it today. Um, we're going to need some help. Um, some of us have the people in our lives just waiting. We just need the courage to say it. Some of us honestly can't think of who we'd say this to, so we need you to bring those good people in our life who love us and love Jesus. Uh, God, the devil loves one-on-one -on -one offense. He loves to come at us when we don't have help. He's really good at those situations. So God, give us two or three or six or ten. Give us a group that we can do life with. Help every single group at this church to be both real and relational. Let us not hide God and bless us when we do that we can pray for each other, be healed by each other's side, and forgive each other in Jesus' name. 
Uh, God, not every Christian is like this, uh, but we don't want to be like every Christian. <laughs> we want to be like this teaching is here today, that we can experience the words and the blessing of Jesus through the mouths of his people. Bless us as we take a step forward today, God. We pray this boldly and confidently as we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.